The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. It is episode 52. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzy Weber. Schwebzy, how are we doing this week, buddy? Hi, friends. I'm doing good. I'm doing well. Uh, I, I got to go to my first minor league baseball game this week. Since you moved out well, of Raleigh. I, I maybe. Yeah, it's definitely not my first ever, but yeah, for first in a long time. I definitely gone to a couple of Staten Island Yankee games. So it's right back down the when street. I, yeah, back when I lived in that area. Actually, it's across the island, which which might as might as well be a, a different world uh, on Staten Island. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so wait, okay, you got to go see what the Durham Bulls? Yeah, I got to see the Durham Bulls play the Brewers minor league team, the Nashville Sounds. Yes, correct. And I, I got you, to. Who do you get to see pitch? I got to watch Shane Boz. So, so the jealous. whole reason I went out, I know I, I went. I wanted to catch a a rehab start of his. I got to see Shane Boz. I got to see uh, Bryce Terang. Got to see uh, Josh Lowe. Did, good times. Did you get to see David Dahl? Got to see David Dahl. The, <laughs> the Brewer. The Brewers team is such a collection. The, their AAA team is such a collection of like remember some guys. Oh God, it's great. It was like Abraham Almonte. Um, Daniel Johnson. Um, oh, who else was there? Tyler White, the old, yep. the former Houston Astros prospect. Oh, I know there's more that I'm forgetting. I literally, I typed out a list to you and it was like seven players long. Oh, it was really good. Uh, you, I, didn't sure you just send me a screenshot of like the actual starting lineup? No, no, I typed it out because I'm not smart enough to be efficient like that. This man works in IT, doesn't even know how to take a screenshot absolutely wash no okay but the be- the best thing or sorry the worst thing about this you you tried to keep me in the dark about this a little bit because you want me to live react on the podcast about it but oh you made, yeah you made something just uh, absolutely horrific you yeah just, i'm sending you a picture right now okay, to your twi- you, to your uh, discord dms you just sent me a photo on discord let's see what it is can, can you can you guess what you're looking at firstly is that are those sweet potato tater tots with like is is that like a like a is that supposed to be like a barbecue pork of some sort it is 
it, okay. it's sweet potato. It, it, they, they were they were marketed as, and I thought I was ordering just like barbecue sweet potato tots, and that is cheese sauce on top of the barbecue. Yeah, not requested. That's just how they serve it. Okay, so sweet potato tots with barbecue Barbe- po- pulled pork. Yeah. Okay, and then just like a cheese sauce on top. Yeah. What's so bad about that? Is that is, do you would you want cheese with your barbecue? I mean, it's it's a very silly question to ask I me. Mean, you know who I am as a person. Because, I I know. I know. I, I am. It's, I am. I am. Vegan. Oh, man. So, so like I so wouldn't vegan. eat this anyways. But at the same time, it, it, as someone who is just like, I mean, I work in a restaurant. I make burgers and like pancakes and like stuff with dairy products and whatever and meat and all day but like at the same time this isn't that egregious when it comes to like ballpark food i would say visually it is not appeasing in the least i mean this is this is not a visual medium folks but at the same time this is a very (laughs) ugly dish i i have eaten barbecue many many times in my life and when they served this to me i i I was appalled i i i maybe Cheese on barbecue is more of a common thing down here than I than I knew, but ugh. Well, I don't, I don't like, know if cheese on barbecue is necessarily a thing. I, I, I don't know. Maybe it just seems like if it was just sweet potato tots. I feel like the cheese is what makes it a ballpark food as opposed to being like if you just got like some sweet potato tots and then like a side of barbecue pulled pork. Like that doesn't well, seem like a ballpark food, you know? So th- this was vinegary pulled pork. Oh, this, this was like this was this was like a well seasoned, like a, a a nicely flavored pulled pork with like just a heap of cheese sauce on top of it, and it, it ugh. vinegar and cheese. Interesting, vinegar and cheese sauce. Honestly, it, if I yeah. if I wasn't vegan, I would still just do it just just to try it. Oh, I ate the whole thing. Oh, of course you did. You're gonna sit here and tell me that every bite, say, oh, every bite. Hey, hey, by the way, by, so this is this is very much Schwabzy encapsulated. It's just like a hey, I have this picture to send you of this absolute monstrosity of a dish that I that I got at the ballpark. And yes, I did finish it. I licked the plate. Uh, there is no he was, combination. He was of, chewing uh, on the paper into the fifth inning. Like he bought it in the first. No. He was just chewing on the paper to get as much juice out of it as he could. There is no combination of meat, cheese, and potato that you can put in front of me that I will not eat. <laughs> That's fair. It's As I have combo. now proven. I didn't, I mean, I, I knew that about myself, but I didn't truly know that about myself until this past week. This dish, well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm looking at the photo right now and the cheese is glistening and it was, it basically, what it did is it turned a mirror onto Schwebzy and he had to look within. And realize... that, that just proved exactly how much of like just a garbage food person I am. <laughs> I hope it wasn't that bad. At least, like, did it? Did like, up, like on a scale from one to ten, how good was it? But have, I mean, have you ever eaten a dish where you're like, I like all of these components, but this is just so strange together? Yes, because that's that's what it was. It's like it's like one I, of those, I enjoyed. I, I enjoy all of these things individually. Right. It was just like every bite. I was so aware of what I was eating, which is not really what I want to be experiencing when I'm eating. Mm, yes. Okay. God, ballpark food is always just like the wildest thing. Look, I'll never forget when when I I came to Milwaukee and I went to a Brewers game with you and you you Ooh. treated me to just that biggest ever plate of buffalo uh, waffle fries. That was so good. Those were really good. Well, they I should say they looked really good. I didn't have any of them, but yeah, I would happily treated you to that. And then you also got some cheese curds, which I think we maybe got them a little bit too late in the game. 
because they I, were, I had to wait. They weren't the warmest. I had, I had to wait so long for those cheese curds that they gave me a free sausage. That, oh yeah, they did, didn't they? Or or in Milwaukee, do they just give out free sausages? I don't yeah, know. Is that same, a custom up yeah, there? that's that's the thing. It's like when they give out the little shooter of beer with every Bloody Mary too. Yeah, it's the same. The thing. state custom. Here's your napkin and a sausage. Yes, exactly. Eat up. Possibly, possibly wrapped in the, in the napkin. It's meant. To, it's meant to be a palate cleanser, but mm. yeah, it's like when you get ginger with your sushi. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, you're gonna have to come back up it's here. Appalling. You're gonna have to come back up I here. I want to. You can come to the restaurant that I work at and eat food that I actually make. Yeah. That you'll actually enjoy. A big old plate of pancakes or some French toast or something like that. All, all I've ever wanted was for you to make me breakfast. You know, I'll always do that for you. Whatever you want. Actually, wait, what is your... This has become a food podcast now. Sorry, folks. What is your go-to breakfast sandwich? Oh, bacon, egg, and cheese. I'm, I'm oh, from you're, you're from New York. That's that's a really stupid question. Never mind. That was a dumb question. <laughs> for me, I'm, although, I'm, more although sausage, I, I'm more of a sausage, egg, but, and cheese guy myself. Well... I spent the last two years living in New Jersey, so there, there, I, I, I am just recently coming out of a pork roll, egg and cheese. Phase. I was going to say, are you, are you a Taylor Ham boy? At pork roll, pork Excuse roll. Excuse you. What? You, you know what you said. I, I said what I said. <laughs> I didn't stutter. Okay, it's fine. All right, let's let's cut the food talk. Let's get to the baseball talk. Before that, though, let's remind y'all: you can find us on Twitter. You can find our shared podcast account at In the Deep PL. You can also follow us individually on Twitter as well at Bunt Singles for myself and then at Schwebsi. That's S H W E B S I, no C. Um, and then if you want to submit any mailbag questions to us or anything like that, we do have a pinned tweet on our shared Twitter account. Again, that's at In the Deep PL. Feel free to submit those there or just tweet at us. That's fine too. Um, and with that, I, I actually, oh. I, I have, I have a request. Oh, you have for a request. You, you, you listeners. Is it more hate mail? Well, I, I always want hate mail, and no one ever obliges. That's so I, I've kind of given I've kind of given up on that front. But uh, I, I want you guys specifically this week to utilize the the mailbag or our Twitter, and it's because uh, I, I noticed something. I, I'm, I like to, I like to think of myself as pretty self aware. I know this about me, about us, about this podcast. Yes, and I mean I'm just going to go right into my first player. We always find ourselves talking about. Uh, specific, me specifically this year about Diamondbacks. Uh, we always talk about Giants. We always talk about Brewers, and we always talk about Mets. It's just uh, we we naturally fall into it because you know they're the teams we love, and they're teams that tend to have uh, some unmined uh, gold and some gems. So you know, I was thinking like I I, I want to have like a a bit like you know we call we call Brewers old friends the the Bofas the Brewer the Brewers old friend alert yes. And I'm thinking, you know, the Giants, Mets, Brewers, D-backs, like G-M-B-D, like we should have an acronym. We should have something to to just signify that we are going to talk about one of these teams yet again. And I couldn't think of anything. Like everything I thought of was terrible. It was like, I, I was thinking my boys get dingers. But, you know, not not every player is a, is a big boy, big beefy boy that gets dingers. You suggested big men get dongs. Yes, that that is also that's a, that, that's that, a good one. That is a good one. Uh, uh, not completely accurate, like you said, though. Too many of my suggestions were weirdly uh, inappropriate. Like, gosh, my big daddies. There's there's lots of daddies. There's lots of boys. Lots of lots of daddies. Lots of big men. Um, yeah. 
says a lot about me, have, I think. We have a type. Yeah, apparently. But uh, I would love if you guys could write in and give give me something better than I could think of myself because I'm <laughs> apparently bad at this. Uh, I'm 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 shocked that Jordan didn't come up with anything fantastic because he's good at everything. It's gonna come up organically at some point during the pod. I'm gonna say something that's gonna be re- probably I'm probably gonna have to cut it honestly because it's gonna be something that you and I can <laughs> laugh at, but we can't release on the podcast because it's inappropriate. Look, I'm happy. I'm happy to have a a, a public facing acronym and then a, one that we use in private. But uh, anyway, please come up with something. Tell us what it is. Write write in your suggestions, whether it be our our email or Twitter. And let me get into our first player, uh, who is Luis Guillorme. And <laughs> I I'm a huge huge Mets fan, as I've said. Wait. I never really, <laughs> really, really. You like the no. Uh, literally, literally seconds before we hit record, Pete Alonso hit a uh, a home run, and I just about spontaneously combusted because just I exasperatedly. Was so happy. Yes. Oh, <laughs> arms straight up in the air. Jordan saw it because Chris Bassett is getting absolutely bodied right now. Uh, four runs in six innings. It's not too bad. Uh, could be worse. Could so, be. but anyway, big Mets fan, and I am shocked that I'm talking about Luis Guillorme today, not because I'm surprised that I'm talking about a Met, but surprised that I'm talking about Luis Guillorme specifically. I did not think in a million years that I would ever have a reason to talk about Luis Guillorme as being fantasy relevant. And don't get me wrong, I love Guillorme. Fantastic player to have on any team, I believe, as like a bench guy. He can play multiple positions, play those positions well. He puts up good professional at-bats. He's got great plate discipline. And he has a great beard. But the reason he's never been super relevant in fantasy is because I already ran out of nice things to say about him as a baseball player and resorted to objectifying him and his stupid sexy beard. <laughs> but uh and and anyway, that's how I felt as of 420, Yolo Swag. Uh at that point oh, wow. Luis Guillorme <laughs> was doing his <laughs> uh... <laughs> as of 420. Luis Guillorme was doing his usual thing as a defensive replacement with a weak bat, good defense, and good plate discipline. But he started the season one for 21, which obviously is not good. Uh, But he he, he was putting together good plate appearances still. He had a matching 19% strikeout and walk rate. You know, 90% walk rate will play. But he was mired in such a slump that on April 18th, he shaved his luxurious beard. And like a reverse Samson, he turned into an absolute slapdick god from that point forward. From that point until today, uh, well, actually, if, uh, up until yesterday, which is when I, I was looking into this, uh, that was Thursday. Over 82 plate appearances, Giorme put up a 429 batting average, 506 OBP, and a 543 slugging percentage, which is good for a 463 OBA and a 205 WRC plus Luis Guillorme. <laughs> I just, it's goofy. It's, so I goofy. barely believe it. I barely believe it. So I just need to, I need to keep saying it just to anchor myself in the reality where this is apparently happening. So he supported that slash line with a 9.8 strikeout rate, which is great. That's nice and low and a 13.4 walk percentage on the season. He's walked more times than he's struck out. In that 25-game span where he put up that slash line, he started 20 of those games. He came in as a sub in a couple of those games. 
He had multi-hit games in 11 of those games. He got on base in every game he started, which helped him score 18 runs over 82 plate appearances. That is an obscenely silly rate. Like, that, that's something like a 150-run pace over a full season. It's stupid. So it's been a really wild ride for him because he's gone from the end of the bench to, like, a regular bench piece to an occasional starter to an everyday starter in the span of a month. He's even leading off every now and then. He's started seven out of the last eight games, including three games out of the leadoff spot. And thanks, God, thanks to Francisco Lindor shutting his finger in a hotel door, he even hit out of the three spot in yesterday's game. And having watched him for his entire career, my it is truly like a brain-breaking thing to see Luis Guillorme hitting third. I it it's still I can't believe it. So, but as always, the questions that I want to answer are how sustainable is this, and what can we expect from Guillorme going forward? And do you want to add him, of course? Having watched him for so long, I was actually really reluctant to buy into this hot streak. Like I probably I don't think I added him on a team of mine until he was probably like 15 or 16 games into this hot streak because you, you know, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop when a player like this goes off. Um but there, there's actually some really encouraging things here if you're looking for a specific type of player. Like would you have guessed that Luis Guillorme is very literally tied for first in all of baseball in zone contact rate. First. So good. He is he is the single best player in baseball so far this year when the ball is in the strike zone at putting a bat on it. On top of that, he's 15th in all of baseball, right next to Juan Soto, at not chasing. So he never chases, and when the ball is in the strike zone, he always puts his bat on it. That is a good combination of things, guys. That's very good. The only other player in baseball in the top 20 on both of those leaderboards is Miles Straw, who, you know, while not a great, great player overall, he's a fantastic table setter. Mm -hmm. So Guillaume has exhibited two genuinely elite skills over the past six weeks or so, and I pretty much believe what we're seeing here because these are things that he's always done well. It's just right now we're seeing, like, the best version of him. I so it could be I doubt the contact skills are quite this good. Like they're good, but not like best in the league good. Uh the problem is that besides the things I mentioned, there's not a whole lot else to his game from a fantasy perspective. He's not very fast, he's not he doesn't have much power, and uh there's not much to love in three out of the five standard fantasy categories. And not for nothing, while I wanted to mainly focus on the skills here, it's worth mentioning that this obscene hot streak has been buoyed by a 475 BABIP. You know, at, and time and time again, proven by every hot streak ever, a BABIP like that is unsustainable. So the, the two comps that I've come away with after looking into Guillaume are a slow Miles Straw and Luis Arias. So if that's the kind of thing that your team needs, pull the trigger. He's a versatile on-base machine, and as long as he's playing, he should, in theory, get on base a ton, helping you in either OBP or batting average leagues, and he should score a bunch of runs, in, in theory, again, because uh, Brandon Nimmo has historically been great at getting on base, but not great at scoring runs, because Mets going to Met, but, I mean, it, it kind of looks like the Mets aren't the, the joke they usually are this year. The, 
for for a lot of teams, I think Yorme, with what he has shown right so far, would be leaning off. But I'm not sure that he'll play that role for the Mets because the Mets have a roster full of dudes who are potential leadoff batters, mm-hmm. like Brand, Brand, Brandon Nimmo, Jeff McNeil, Mark Canha. Um, I, and I, I know I'm forgetting people. Starling Marte is super fast, although not really a, a, a 2022 kind of leadoff hitter. But so I, I just think that there, there might be like a talent crunch there and Guillaume is going to wind up at the bottom of the lineup, even though if he does have leadoff skills. But like I said, I'm expecting a good batting average and OBP going forward and plenty of runs as, as long as the Mets keep playing him every day. Like I said, he, he started 20 out of 25 games. He gets into games late even when he doesn't start. I, like, I added him in my NL only league and I've been really enjoying what he's brought to the table so far. Yeah, reaping the benefits for sure. I mean, this was someone who I straight up I, I had zero just completely off my radar. Not even not even remotely a thought about Luis Giorme until you started talking about him. Um it's it's just wow. It's unbelievable. It's like you you told me what he was doing, and the only thing that I could think of is I flash back to wasn't this past this spring training, but the previous spring training, twenty twenty one, where he had that at bat where he literally fouled off like fourteen or fifteen pitches and had like a twenty one pitch walk. Well, you know what I think of? What's that? Kevin Newman. Stop. I think of the, the the great Kevin Newman spring training of, of 2020 or 2021. Oh, gosh. One of our greatest when, failures. When Kevin Newman very, very famously, everyone knows this. Pulled the wool over like our a, eyes. Yeah. Had like a 700 bad. He didn't pull the wool over our eyes. We knew we had a 700 bad. We but yeah, we were just babies then. We're wiser now. In, in theory, we know better now. Yeah. In in theory, as he recommends, you pick up Luis Guillorme. But Guillorme, I mean, like, the walk rate is going to be there. That's the thing, at least, like, for OBP leagues, for sure. Like, this is still going to be a fantastic pickup, like, regardless, right? Yeah, there are some very legitimate skills here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I dig Guillorme. And, and like I said, th- this isn't out of nowhere. This is just the absolute best version of him. This, mm-hmm. this is him performing at peak efficiency. I don't know if you know this, but this is what peak male performance looks like. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, I dig it. I'm glad that, for, for your sake, Shrubsy, I'm glad that this is uh, working out really well for Giorme. And I think that, wait, how, do we know how long Lindor is supposed to be out for? Not sure, but I mean, well, no, he's playing tonight. He, oh, he's he playing, playing tonight. Right okay, now. good. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I, don't, I, doubt, I doubt it's at 100% given uh, how swollen his finger was yesterday, but he, he is playing. Um, Honestly... I, I, I'm sorry to say this about Abofa, but I think uh, Eduardo Escobar could have his playing time eaten into because he has just not been very good this year. Yeah. Now, he was solid last year when the Brewers picked him up for the stretch run at the end of the season, but yeah, it's not been an ideal uh, start to the season for him, unfortunately. Do you think Yorme steals any of the playing time from him? If 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 this is the Escobar we're going to get this year, then Guillaume is a better player. Fair enough. Because just because of the whole package, because Luis Guillaume is a very strong defender at multiple positions mm-hmm. on top on top of being an on base uh, god, apparently. Yeah, like you said, slapdick god. Love it. It's so fun. 
I'm glad that even, you're, you know, I'm glad that if you're having last. fun. I'm glad that you're having fun watching the Mets play this year. And like, I think it's honestly kind of good. Like, yes, like Lindor slammed his finger in a door. Steve Cohen, why? Why did you tweet that? Um, uh, unbelievable. Um, but the men's worth eight billion dollars. <sighs> you don't need to meme when you're worth that much money. You should. You shouldn't be allowed to meme when you're <laughs> worth that much money. To be fair. Um, but no, I think that there's still like the, like the microcosms of like, or like the little like mini versions of Mets, uh, Metsing and that's it right there. But you just get like the little baby taste of it instead of like the full blown Metsing that we see every other year. It's just like, I feel like we're, we're, we're driving away from like the large scale LOL Mets and every now and then we glance in the rearview mirror and there's just a little, little Lindor closing his finger in a door. We're straying from tradition. Yeah. <laughs> oh god okay uh let's move to the pitching side of things here i'm going to talk about uh ryan feltner so i'm going to preface this by saying at the start of this i don't know if i'm actually going to recommend feltner by the end of me talking about him here there's some stuff that i found that i liked and some stuff that i found that i really did not like about him I just know that currently the situation in Colorado is that they really do not have any good starting pitchers at all. Like this even Chad, tweet. even Chad cool, who has been like pretty quote unquote solid on the surface this year with like a decent ERA. The underlying data is not good. Um, I'll dig into that into a second, but so just like I would approach any other Colorado pitcher with an exceeding amount of caution aside from Austin Gomber, who I will never fully quit completely. Um, Ryan Feltner caught my eye after his solid start so far this year. So on the surface, the results look pretty encouraging. He's got 20 strikeouts through 17 innings pitched and a solid 3.71 ERA, which is a far cry from his very abbreviated 2021 debut where he gave up eight runs and 6.1 innings over two starts. Just got absolutely bodied. Um, He was called up earlier this year to fill the void left in the five-man rotation after Antonio Senzatella experienced some back issues. Uh, Sensatella is scheduled to be back eh, now. Uh, and while I don't think that there were any intentions of hanging on to Feltner after Sensatella's return, I think he may have forced the Rockies' hand a little bit with just how well he's pitched so far. It's kind of like I said, outside of Chad Cool, who has got like a reasonable uh, year so far, ERA ERA wise, no Rockies starting pitcher has an ERA below four point nine six. That's bad. That's really, really bad, you guys. Uh, well, they're not currently in contention to take down the NL West, considering they're in last place, and the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants all exist. Uh, a starting rotation that is so severely underperformed calls for some sort of spark. Like, they need to make some sort of change. Um, so, my question is, what changed between now and last year that led to more success for Feltner? Uh, well, at a baseline, he found an additional two and a half miles per hour on his four seamer, going from ninety one point nine to ninety four point five on average, which is a really, really, really good start. That added velo plays up even more uh, when you elevate it in the zone, which is exactly what Feltner has done this year. If you look at his heat maps on like Baseball Savant or any other pages, like the pitcher list, uh, player pages, he's been doing a great job at elevating his fastball up in the zone and throwing a ton of strikes with it. So, I mean, that's also fantastic. I think the really interesting thing with the four-seamer is that it's got a CSW of nearly 32% over his first three games, which is really, really good, obviously. 
but it's simultaneously holding a 64% ground ball rate. So not only is it like being thrown for strikes, missing some bats here and there, it's also getting a ton of ground ball outs. So the ability to earn those strikes and then hold down a ground ball rate that is that high is going to be to your benefit, especially when half your games are going to be thrown in cores. Like keep that, that ball out that of the air. so one. weird. It's such a weird fastball, man. Yeah. Like it's, uh, it's really, really weird listeners for a fast, a four seam fastball to have such a high ground ball rate, especially when he throws it up in the zone, like Feltner does. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is like overall mo- the movement of the pitch has increased along with the velo, which I thought was curious. I don't know if that's something that necessarily happens a lot. It seems counterintuitive to me, but, uh, Something that's maybe worth looking at. I, I would have to dig a little bit deeper into it uh, with someone who's a little bit more knowledgeable on pitching. Um, but so I spent like over half the time I planned on talking about Feldner, uh, talking about his four seamer. And it makes sense because that's commensurate with how often he throws it, which is like 55, 56% of the time. But what about his secondaries? So Savant shows him throwing a change up, a curve, and a smattering of sinkers. But the only other secondary that he has that's really worth mentioning and like talking about at any sort of length is the slider. The reason that I say this is because in his last start and in his most successful start as well, he basically completely ditched every other secondary except for his slider. He threw 94 pitches. 90 of them were either his four-seam fastball or the slider. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see that this is the strategy that Feltner sticks to moving forward, just considering one, the success he had and two, it just seems like a comfortability thing for him. Um, the slider has also gained some velo this year. It's gained like a tick and a half of velo up to around like 83, 84 ish. And it really doesn't move much, which makes it resemble more of like a slider cutter hybrid. Um, it didn't really move a ton last year either. Uh, and it moves even less now. Uh, the pitch, unfortunately, being his main secondary, has been hit really, really hard. And a lot of you, maybe without even realizing it, probably saw a Ryan Feltner slider get hit really, really hard because it was the home run that Jesus Sanchez hit 496 feet in Colorado the other day. So unknowingly, you probably watched Ryan Feltner pitch very briefly. Uh, the pitch also carries a hefty 385x woba that is not good there isn't really anything in the underlying data that would be cause for optimism with it either so that's pretty unfortunate overall i think the book on feltner just in general is that he's got like a really heavily improved fastball with the added velo and the great location on it so far this year and it's seen great results because of that but he just doesn't have a dominant secondary offer offering i think if he manages to stick around and get some more starts a stream here or there could be fine against a weaker offense, but I would really need to see some sort of improvement in his secondaries just in any capacity to really be comfortable streaming him on a regular basis. So I have a, I have a question. Yes. Trubsy. If, if Feltner was a reliever who was giving away what pitch he was going to throw, would he be a felt tip pen? Once again, this is um, this is this is this is a podcast, so this is an audio medium. But what y'all couldn't see is the soul leaving my body. <laughs> I've been sent to he- well, I've been sent somewhere. Oh, gosh, 
that that is probably like, one of your some of your best slash worst work i think it's like the the rockies manager and my wife and michaels both need a couple of yards of felt dog <laughs> wow i mean that's actually that okay that that joke makes sense coming from you because you have a wife that crafts a lot oh she is very she is very crafty She's very crafty so that joke very specifically from you makes a ton of sense that you would work in a michael's reference <laughs> oh god well yeah so I'm, I'm basically i'm gonna i'm curious about feldner i really do like the fastball i would be curious to see if he develops a secondary or if it, if any of his if he trusts any of his other secondaries enough to throw them more and maybe get some more swings and misses, some more called strikes. Um, yeah, I don't know. The slider just doesn't really impress me that much. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a Rockies pitcher. Yeah. So are you willing to start him on the road is, is generally the question with Rockies pitchers. Are you willing to stream him when he's on the road? Yeah. I mean, he, he had, I mean, aside from that massive home run that he gave up to Jesus Sanchez, he pitched seven innings against Miami in Coors and came away relatively unscathed. Looked pretty decent. So, I mean, I would be fine starting him on the road. Yes. Uh, dependent on matchup. I don't know. I, don't, I genuinely do not think that his schedule is very favorable moving forward. So that's the hard part. And that's just assuming... And that is assuming that it becomes a six-man rotation, which it probably will not. And my guess is that they might use him as a stopgap filler, like when they have a bunch of games in a row and they need like to give someone an additional rest day, something like that, or like push the rotation back a day to help guys get the rest. Um, but yeah. All right. I dig it. Cool. All right. Uh, and then with that, we will take a quick break and we'll be right back with our other two deep dives. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right, and we are back. Okay, so Shrubsy kind of cheated here with his second two. Did did I cheat, or did you lie when you said we were coming back with two deep dives? Okay, you got me. I've I've been got. I've gotten got. Um, you didn't cheat. Actually, you know you know what you did do, Shrubsy. You overachieved because you chose to talk I'm about giving, two people I'm, instead of one. I'm giving our listeners a bonus. Bo- 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 bonus round. Um, yeah, so we're going to have Shrubsy talk about two pitchers here. Uh, Shrubsy, which one do you want to cover first here? I am going to talk about, uh, my, my preference between the two, uh, who is, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about Roansi Contreras and Edward Cabrera. Excellent. Okay. We're going to start with Roansi. 
because he is the one that I like more of the two, mm. which might be surprising to some if you saw what Edward Cabrera did recently. But I, let's let's get started. Baranzi Contreras. I'm cheating a little bit here because Contreras was right at 20% rostered as of Thursday, so he actually might even be over 20% right now. I didn't check. But I wanted to talk to him, talk, talk about him a little bit before he graduated and became dead to us because after 20%, we don't care about him anymore. Statistically, Contreras has gotten some really tasty results so far, utilizing mostly a two-pitch mix and peppering his fastball up and glove side, which is a, a, a way to a right-hander. And then, uh, sorry, sorry, a way to a... Yeah, a, a way to. A, yeah. a, I'm sorry, I'm a I'm a I'm a lefty, so I'm I'm mirroring things as as I mime as I mime throwing a baseball with the wrong hand, but uh, yeah, so a, a way to a right hander, and then he throws his slider starting in the same place as the fastball, also glove side, except since his slider is filthy, it winds up somewhere in the other batter's box as opposed to the fastball, which you know winds up on the outside corner. Mm-hmm. It's a good plan. It's working. But I do have some concerns. The fastball has above average velo and is generally located pretty well. And on its own in a vacuum, it's a perfectly good fastball. But I kind of worry about it a little bit as part of this particular package. I feel like I'm I'm talking about two pitches that are really good in a vacuum. And then I'm going to complain. Just hear me (laughs) out. The slider is getting a 48.6% whiff rate. That is incredibly high that is so stupidly high and you'd be right in thinking that that's awesome but he's only thrown it in the zone 25 percent of the time that's so low that is an incredibly low rate to throw any pitch in the zone and that's the source of my concern i worry that with him throwing these two pitches his fastball and his slider 80 percent of the time eventually people are going to start just sitting heater until he shows that any of his other good pitches is a good strike getter because he throws these two pitches 80% of the time his curveball is not good so it's really just this the fastball slider that the hitters need to worry about and if this if the hitters can identify a slider knowing that it's probably not going to be in the zone I worry that good teams are going to lay off the slider and just sit fastball so I still think he's good. I, I, it may be that it takes a little bit of time for the league to catch up. It may be that the slider is so good that hitters can identify it and lay off. I still think he's good. I just this is this is just me being neurotic. I think, but I think what we've got here with Uransi is a really solid two pitch pitcher that needs a good third pitch to truly reach his potential. The slider's dope. There's no doubts for me there. I wish he threw it in the zone a little bit more. But the fastball is really good with the potential to be great if he located it a little bit more consistently. In the short term, Contreras's upcoming schedule is hit and miss as it has a couple of gems. He actually, uh, we're going to release this on Saturday, so he's going to start in Arizona today. So prob- unfortunately, probably too late for action, too late for you guys to pick him up, although I would totally recommend adding him if you still can. And then after that, he's going to be at Atlanta, at St. Louis. The Atlanta start is rough. That's a bad ballpark to pitch in, and the Atlanta offense is pretty good. St. Louis, good pitcher's park. That offense has been pretty, pretty on fire lately, so mm-hmm. I'm not sure about that one. That one, I, I'd probably base the Seattle, the St. Louis start on how well he pitched in Atlanta. 
But then after those two iffy ones, he gets the Chicago Cubs at home, and that's a really nice matchup. So, yeah, it's two no-doubters, and then two that can go either way that I'd, I'd kind of play by ear. I think his talent necessitates a pickup, but I want to see more before I declare him as like any sort of must-start. I can dig that. Um, so, okay, you said that you like Rancy Contreras more than you like Edward Cabrera. Can you give me some good stuff about Cabrera? And then why it is that you feel like Rancy Contreras is more of a priority pickup for you than Cabrera is? Well, I mean, all you need to know about the good for Cabrera is to look at his line. He pitched in Colorado, and I believe he responded by leveling the Rocky Mountains with the power of how good he was. <laughs> I, I think, I think there, it's now like the, the, the Rocky Plains or the Rocky Plateau. The Dusted Plains. Yeah, it's unreal how good he was. Maybe the best uh, Colorado pitching performance of the year, or you know, best pitching performance in Colorado. He struck out nine. He uh, no no uh, no runs allowed. Uh, he did walk four, which is concerning to me. That's uh, that's kind of a uh, where where some of my you know concerns uh, stem from. I mean, you might remember Cabrera from his 25 innings last year, which <laughs> drew rave reviews like, wow, that's a really high ERA, and wait, this guy was a prospect. But, I mean, this year is so far so good, but I don't think a lot has changed. Like, yes, the pitching, the pitching appearance in Colorado was one of those appearances that like drives accounts like Pitching Ninja and our own pitcher list people in uh just absolutely wild because he threw it he threw like a 96 mile an hour changeup like that's so that's goofy. silly like that that sh- <laughs> I don't think that should be allowed like you guys remember last week I spent a good bit of time talking about how great Jeffrey Springs changeup is now take those results but also make the changeup average 94 miles an hour and it's like an absurdity that frankly should be illegal like that that shouldn't happen. You shouldn't be able to throw <laughs> changeups that hard that consistently and get results like this. Overall, in this start, like Cabrera, his his two main pitches, his four seamer and his changeup, were like really really good. He got he, they were they put up great CSWs each pitch, but I'm still out on him. He, I I want to say that this start was more a result of. Colorado being bad than it was Cabrera being good. He just he he threw pitches in the zone like forty percent of the time against Colorado, like they were getting themselves out. Maybe just maybe being maybe the stuff is so good that that won't matter going forward. But it's the same stuff that Cabrera had last year when he was terrible. The problem is that he walks the world, and like just can't really locate the change of location was good this time but will it be going forward the arm talent is just completely out of control but he's just it's it's also completely lacking control he's going to walk like so many dudes if he keeps pitching the way he did in colorado and on top of that his upcoming schedule is both sporadic and rough because there's an Mm -hmm. off day meaning there's an off day coming up that means that the miami marlins don't need their next uh, fifth starter until I think Saturday at Houston 
unless they uh, they rearrange things. And I'd honestly, I'd be surprised if this same approach that he used in Colorado worked against a, a better team like Houston. So I, uh, I asked our resident pitching expert because I mean, I, I, I'm settled on Romancy. I, I like, I like the predictability more there. I, I, th- I just looking at the two total packages, I think it's a higher percentage outcome for Romancy to be good than Edward Cabrera to be good. And yeah, I, I always want to get more opinions. So I asked our resident pitching expert and my personal third favorite small to medium sized streamer, Nicholas partner Pollock. I asked his opinion on these two young starters and we land in pretty much the same spot. Cabrera's stuff is silly, but between the walks and the schedule, he's just not quite there yet as a must add. But if you've got deep benches, he's still worth a stash between the two. If you need someone right now, Romancy is my immediate choice. Yeah, I mean, so the stuff with Romancy that you had as far as like worries with him is that he throws the fastball uh, and then has that. It's like all glove side, right? Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of Dylan Cease a lot. And kind of like current Dylan Cease or like a year or two ago? A year or two ago, Dylan Cease. Where he would throw everything because he would always yank everything would always be glove side. Everything would live on the glove side of the zone. Um, That's an important distinction because, you know, like two years ago, Dylan Cease was a bad comp. A year ago, Dylan Cease is a good comp. Today, Dylan Cease is awesome. Yes. No, it was like not quite figured out Dylan Cease, I would say. And if the stuff is good, then that's fine. Like he can, like Runcy Contreras can be good. It's just a matter of being able to put it out over the play because like, Dylan Cease's slider can steal strikes if he throws in the zone. It can also get a ton of whiffs because he can bury it low and away to righties and then in in underneath the hands on uh, lefties. It's just when you have two pitches and they're always going to be in basically the exact same spot, you can't like offer any sort of variation or any sort of variety to hitters. It's going to be really, really easy for them to sit on stuff. And then I think this yeah. is kind of like the thing that you have is like you either have that with Contreras or you have Cabrera whose stuff is just gross, but he might walk the world on any given day, which is kind of like for me an Aaron Ashby comp. Um, yeah. Where like with Ashby, if he can't throw strikes with his sinker, it feels like he's going to walk the world sometimes. Um, yeah. Yeah. What one encouraging thing about Moranzi he doesn't throw he, like so he throws his curveball and his changeup about but combined about 23% of the time curveball 19% changeup 4% yeah he throws those two pitches early in counts way more often than he throws them late mm. so i i think there's a good bit of like self awareness and i like there's a plan here you can tell there's a plan it's just I, I just wonder how sustainable it is when he just never gets called strikes with that slider at this point. Yeah, it's hard to say. Ugh. But yeah, I think I think I'm in agreement with you here, though. Uh, I know that I said like earlier this year, like I wanted Max Meyer instead of Edward Cabrera because I figured that Max Meyer would get a shot early enough, and then he got hurt. Um, hopefully, he can be back as soon as possible. But. Um, 
I think I think I still like lean towards and especially like also in just in this case, I, I would lean Contreras over Cabrera. Um, while the stuff isn't as electric, I feel like Contreras's floor is a bit higher. Yeah, um, I buy I buy that. But yeah, so I actually I, I don't think the ceilings are too different, though. No, I don't think so either. I mean, there's there's a lot of again, like growth with especially with young pitchers is not linear. Um, so things can change in, in a very, very big hurry. Uh, like if Contreras finds a reliable third pitch, say, or he starts locating that fastball better or what have you. Um, or if Cabrera just stops walking the world, right? Um, yeah. People can figure stuff out and then good stuff can happen. Um, but yeah. Uh, speaking of people figuring things out, I'm going to talk about someone and it's going to be pretty short for the most part, cause I'm probably going to point you towards one of our colleagues to get more info on this. Uh, I know this kind of feels like a cop out a little bit now that I'm saying it, but, um, I want you to get this information also from someone who is a huge fan of the team of the player that I'm talking about, uh, as well as d- just like written an article about it. and done an appearance on a podcast about him. Uh, I want to talk about Ramon Arias. So shout out to our, one of our resident Orioles fans in the pitcherless community and staff and Ramon Arias truther, Ben Palmer, who's been on the bandwagon for ages with Arias. Uh, also Schwebzy, you talked about Ramon Arias in the preseason on our middle infielder preview episode, didn't you? Right. He was one of my deep dives for middle infielders. I, I, I am a fan. Love to hear you talking about him. Heck yeah, yeah. So if you want more info, you can also listen to Schwebzy's uh, preseason preview for Arias too. So as Ben Palmer pointed out on Twitter, and again, you can follow, or sorry, I didn't say it yet, but you can follow Ben at Ben J. Palmer. Um, Arias's hard hit percentage is, at the time that he tweeted it, 20th best in baseball. It's 19th now, so he's gotten even a little bit better. Um, and while he had issues early on this season with hitting a ton of these balls into the ground so hard that they broke through the crust of the earth and entered the mantle, uh, that has changed recently. He's finally elevating the ball with more regularity, and it's paid dividends. So over the past two weeks, he's hitting 291 with three home runs and 20 runs plus RBIs over 60 plate appearances. That's a really, really, really excellent pace. I mean, if you stretch it out to, again, like a 600 plate appearance, pace that's 100 runs plus or 200 runs plus rbis right like that's awesome that's an excellent return for a guy who is not rostered in 99 percent of leagues right now between espn and yahoo um another encouraging aspect of all of this is that arias is really heavily underperforming in his x stats on the year uh this should in theory normalize as the season goes on like his current batting average is 233 his expected batting average is 281 uh slugging is 387 expected slug is 474 i think that a lot of these are probably depressed by the fact that the right field or the left field wall in baltimore is an absolute mammoth and is probably heavily affecting the um park factors there um but i think that those stats will still normalize as time goes on so if we look at the game logs, uh, Urias has been hitting sixth or seventh most days over the past few weeks, which isn't necessarily like an ideal spot in any lineup, but he's playing nearly every day. And the triple eligibility between second base, shortstop, and third base is huge in filling gaps in any fantasy roster. So I could dive a little bit deeper into him here, but 
what I really want to do is I want to point you to all the work that Ben has done on him. So I would recommend that you read Ben's article on Arias over at Baltimore Sports and Life, which I will link in the show notes, as well as watch and listen to his appearance on Locked on Orioles that I just mentioned earlier. Um, I'll be sure to link both of these in the show notes so that way you can easily access it. Uh, Ben's incredibly sharp and you should definitely check out. Also, check out his podcast, uh, Shag and Flies, here on the Pitcherless Podcast Network with him and um, Zach Hayes, right? Am I thinking of the right podcast? Yep. Yes. Him and no, Zach. No, Zach. Zach. Dude, is that right? It's got to be Zach, right? I don't know. The P- Pitcherless Podcast Network is taking over. There's so many podcasts. There's so many of us. Anyways, but yeah, so yeah, uh, I would recommend that you read Ben's article and then check out his appearance on Lockdown Orioles uh, for sure. And again, in the show notes, you can find those there. Uh, I, lo- I love Ramon Arias. I- I've been blessed by his hot streak exactly coinciding with Tim Anderson's injury. Ooh, that's nice. Because I, uh, be, being a Ramon Urias stan, I picked him up to replace Tim Anderson, and I have been reaping benefits there. That's a really nice... Just... It's very... Excuse me for saying this, Schwebsy. It's very not Schwebsy. Because usually you just have guys getting hurt left and right, You don't, and you're just like scraping the bottom of the barrel on the waiver wire and now you get potentially like the best replacement i i still win a lot of leagues that are in tgfbi i am just i'm just miserable in tgfbi you are cursed but uh in tgfbi yeah but uh honestly that is one of the best feelings in fantasy is when you pick up a quotes scrub on the waiver wire and they immediately pay dividends Oh, it's so nice. I mean, there's a certain amount of luck involved, but also like at the same time, having that awareness of who is most likely to pop off and give you the highest opportunity for return on investment is always very nice. A certain amount of luck involved, then you will never hear me admit that. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move to our why haven't you added these guys yet section here. Uh, RIP to Edwin Rios, who we were going to talk about. And now he hurt himself. He has a hamstring issue. Um, Shrubs, do you want to touch it, on this? It's a torn hamstring. Apparently oh. not severe. Yeah, apparently not severe enough that it will keep him out for the year. Okay. But I'm expecting a pretty lengthy stay on the IL. Hammies are not fun. As someone who has torn their hamstring before, it sucks. <laughs> it's not great. So his replacement uh, would... I, I'm just going to mention him here. He would be in the section after this, the honorable mentions... Zach McKinstry, he has been a valuable deep league asset before. Mm-hmm. He had he has the bad luck and good luck of being on the Dodgers, so he doesn't get the opportunities that he might in another organization. But now that he has an opportunity, he's in a great situation. I would be looking to add Zach McKinstry if you need a, a uh, you know if you need a bat. I don't think he has quite Edwin Rios's upside, but. He had a really nice hot streak a year ago. I I, I think he's a he's an interesting bat. If you're a, if you're in dire need. All right, excellent. Uh, next up here we got Tyrone Taylor. Uh, talks about him last week at length. Um, continues to get solid playing time. Continues to produce. Just get him. I don't. I don't know what else I have to say. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, th- this whole section is guys that we've already talked about at length. It's yeah. just us reminding you that they're out there. In case you've, you know, forgotten that Danny Jansen and David Peralta are tearing the cover off the ball 
and you should add them because there's really, you know, the, these aren't guys that we think are just a flash in the pan. We think they're going to continue, you know, that we, we think they're going to wind up owned in over 20% of leagues roster in over 20% of leagues. Uh, and you know, you don't, if they're out there and you have a need, you should grab them. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's dip to our honorable mentions here quick. So I'm going to start with Evan Longoria here. He went two for five tonight. That's Friday, uh, releasing on Saturday with this episode. He had a double and a run scored and two more hard hit balls continues to hit the crap of the ball. It's really, really encouraging. He's he, what it comes to. I think he's just going to rake as long as he can stay healthy, right? Like that's really what it comes down to with Longoria yeah. is just being able to stay on the field and get those at bats. So as long as he is healthy, happily slot him into your deep league lineups. Um, Garrett Cooper also still out there in a lot of leagues. Um, the power hasn't really been there lately and the counting stats are kind of mad, but that average is really, really, really juicy. Sitting like 384 over the past two weeks. Yeah. Just fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't have guessed that Garrett Cooper was the kind of guy who would suffer with the beanbag baseball that we were dealing with for a bit there but mm-hmm. the power hasn't the power hasn't been quite what i was hoping for but he's you know everything that we said about him is still true we we've talked about him earlier in the season good opportunity good lineup spot great batting average yep like again he he had like a i think he had like a 280 batting average in the prior three seasons combined coming into this year so he's a nice underrated source of batting average and he has taken that to uh to an extreme the last couple weeks absolutely um all right let's see here who else we got rugnet odor he's been on a hot streak as of late dude he's been unreal lately yeah but you don't you don't buy it yeah i don't well actually i want to ask how you feel about it do you buy it so he's a lefty which helps Yep. because he doesn't he doesn't have to deal with that mountainous wall in left field like uh like the righties on his team do. Correct. I mean Baltimore was notorious for reviving careers for a little bit. Like it it was where it it was where you would go if you wanted to just hit a bunch of dingers late in your career or wanted to rehab some value. I I I don't know, man. He still he still isn't very good. Like he's got a ninety WRC plus even after this absurd hot streak, but he's playing every day. I, I if he continues to hit, he'll continue to play. I this is a uh, this is an if you're desperate play for me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like I'm in a I'm in a lot of deep leagues. I do not have any shares of Odor, and I have no intention of picking him up. But. I, I can I understand. Like I understand if you do. He doesn't run anymore. He's not the double digit steal threat that he was a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But you know, he's he's got pop. You know, he he's got twenty home runs in his last five hundred plate appearances. He's always gonna just, put up those homers. Um it's just everything else, is it worth the risk? Is pretty much what you have to weigh, I think, with him. Right. But yeah, I mean Oh God, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's in the same vein for me as like Kevin Kiermaier when I when we talked about Kevin Kiermaier last week because Kevin Kiermaier was on a heater. Um, mm-hmm. It's likely to be short lived, and it's like very much like the memento. Don't believe his lies, meme, and it's just a picture of Rugnado Door. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. Um, I would probably pass you know, personally. 
dating back to 521 which is like 15 games or so he's only sat once so i mean the opportunity's there yeah. he's hitting he's hitting 6th through 8th so he's he's not super high in the lineup yeah correct um yeah uh let's see here who else do we have uh, keston hira so i think the only really interesting thing about hira i still am incredibly iffy about him i think i mean kind of similar to odor honestly is like Really? You're lumping Hiura in with Odor? Am I wrong? <laughs> Am I wrong? Sorry, you just made me think of that, uh, that, that, what was it, Wicked meme? Was it Wicked? Oh, it was, oh, it was the two it? guys fighting when they were playing headbands. Yeah. With Am Hall. I wrong? Yeah. Sorry, that, I'm, I'm so sorry for that complete breakdown that we just had. No, it's okay. <laughs> we were very online. Sorry, because usually, usually like, we, we have one brain cell that we pass around between uh, the two of us and a couple of our friends, and we are almost always on the same page when it comes to memes and jokes. So I'm just, I, I can't believe that we had that breakdown just now. We did. I apologize. I also, I think I did know what it was, and I was like, I was about to, like, yell, and then I realized that it's literally, what time is it? It is it is twelve twelve a.m. Central Time as we're recording this, and my roommate is absolutely definitely asleep, and then also my landlord who lives directly above me is also definitely very asleep, and I could not yell that meme back at Schwebzy, <laughs> so I was like, better not, probably not for the best, but no, uh, sorry. Anyways, Keston Hira, <laughs> yes, I am lumping him in with Rugnado Dor as someone who's gonna have not a great average. We'll be able to provide some pop every once in a while. The interesting development with Hira is that he played left field a couple days ago. Ooh. There might be outfield eligibility on its way in some leagues. So that might be the one kind of saving grace here that by like end of season, if it's like a keeper league or if it's like a dynasty league and you want someone who's going to be like first base, second base and outfield eligible, which is kind of an interesting eligibility spread, that could be Keston Hira. That's pretty much it. See, there. this is this is where I don't buy your Odor comp because no one's looking at Rugnet Odor and going like, "Yeah, he's iffy right now, but Dynasty." Oh, this is simply as a stopgap filler. I'm not saying that he's going to be starting yeah. every day. It's like I, it's nice to have guys like this on your bench in your very deep league, so that way you can be like, okay, yes, if any one of these positions is empty for a day, and I can slot him in, then great. I was about to say, I can't believe that I'm higher than you are on Keston Hira. And then I looked at his player page and I saw the 44% strikeout rate and I feel stupid now. Buddy, trust me, I know. <laughs> trust oh, me. Boy. I That's... know. I'm f- I am intimately it... familiar with that strikeout rate. Is, 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 he, is he trying to do a, a Patrick Wisdom? Because he's, he's, he's above average. He's doing well in spite of the 44% strikeout rate. What a weird line. Very, very He's weird playing, line. too. Yeah. He's played like seven out of eight games or something. Six out of seven. And he's bounced around at different positions. He's DH'd, I think, in there in a couple of places. Yeah. I mean, he's he gets he gets slotted in all over the place. Um, yeah. I mean, again, this is another play that I have no shares of. But, like, he's, he's one that I always, like have a lingering glance at every time he's on the eye uh, every time he's on the waiver wire yeah um all right next up 
you want to talk about jd davis at all so jd davis is i i feel like his shtick for this season is kind of well known at this point the the x stats are out of control he's hitting the absolute heck out of the ball constantly and he's swinging and missing a lot but when he like he's hitting the ball hard enough frequently enough that the the swings and misses shouldn't matter he should still be putting up strong numbers and he isn't what does it mean i i don't really know because it like he should be better like his numbers should be better and i can't really explain to you why they aren't so i i do roster him in a couple leagues i do believe that eventually things will even out because it's very uncommon for a player's x stats to be this good like this exemplary and for them to be bad like it's just such a weird outlier underperformance that i'm betting on regression making him good that's that, that's really where i'm at heck yeah um i feel like we, we've said this well i shouldn't say we you have said the same thing about jd davis it feels like for the entirety of our podcast run that's my casting hero it, what you, uh, i wouldn't say because i'm not except I'm, no, except except no. i think he's gonna be good still no yeah i was gonna say i mean i i think that casting hero know, is good at some things i i don't i don't like from a fantasy baseball perspective i do not want to roster Keston Hira. I just don't. Um, oh, yeah, you have a little faith. Yes, it's correct. <laughs> um, uh, do you want to talk about uh, Sam Huff? Oh, Sam Huff is... I, I, I feel like we haven't talked about him as much as we should or could because he hasn't got as many opportunities as he could or should. He Sam Huff, if you're not aware, is a prospect. What was a prospect in the Texas Rangers system? He is a six foot five catcher. He's notable for being a big boy that hits the ball very far. So you can understand why we would like him. We have an affinity for those here at In the Deep. So you know how, like, you know how, uh, if you watch footage of Brizdar Gratterall, you see him throw like a hundred and one, a hundred and two effortlessly. Yes. Sam H- Sam Huff is the Brisdar Gratterall of home run hitters because I've seen him hit the ball 450 plus feet on swings that just look like he's just like casually like swatting at a newspaper. Like it's just unreal how far he hits the ball without looking like he's exerting any effort. So it looks like he's got the backup catcher job locked down in Texas. Mitch Garver has been DHing every day. Jonah Heim has been shockingly good as the starting catcher but huff has been getting plate appearances at first base and catcher unfortunately nathaniel lowe is uh is still clogging up that first base spot so we can't get plate appearances for sam huff there so i'm not adding him right now but if garver so garver's been dealing with nagging injuries a lot this year Mm -hmm. if garver winds up going on the shelf again i am going to snatch up sam huff in a second I, I like Sam Huff a lot. He's just like, as far as power potential, he's he's like a 70 on that scale. Yeah. That that 20 to 80. The raw uh, power is scale. very, 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 very much there. Like I would say, I, I, I would say 80, but I don't want to, you know, pump him up too much, but it might be. It's, 
it's it's annoying how effortlessly he can put a drive into a ball because that first home run that he hit just hit was like 445 feet or something like that yeah and it yeah it it's disgusting and like you you saw his teammates on the bench react after the fact just incredulously at how effortlessly he hits that ball so far it's yeah it's gross um at the very least it'd be fun to add like i, I know this is not sound fantasy baseball advice but at the same time i would love to roster sam huff just for the fun factor yeah just so i would I, have like it, something it, it, to, like a reason to tune in tune into it at the end of the day this is about having fun it is it really really is and winning but also having fun uh all right i'm going to touch on kind of, oh sorry go ahead kind of a kind of a slim pickings week for for pitchers yeah it kind of has been um which is surprising i feel like we we're usually having a tougher time finding hitters to talk about but i think the one pitcher that or the last pitcher that i really want to like kind of like touch on real quick is cole urban so strikeouts not inspiring whatsoever he's literally had i think he's had exactly four strikeouts in. 80% of his starts this year, 8 out of 10, <laughs> which is wild. Um, exactly four. Exactly four in eight starts, which is, I mean, consistency is very, very good. But also, or sorry, no, four strikeouts in six of his eight starts. That's what it was. Excuse me. Um, but also, five quality starts in eight starts so far this year. So if you're in a quality starts league, Cole Irvin... Looking pretty good. Not again. Not going to be super exciting or inspiring in any other capacity. The whip's going to be fine. Strikeouts not really going to be there in bunches. But if you need those quality starts, he's definitely worth a look as a streamer. So Cole Irvin, is someone else I want to call out too. I mean, actually, like a, a similar, similarly skilled pitcher, uh, Alex Fado from Detroit. Yeah. I don't know that he's going to hit that six inning mark as frequently, but I think he will put up similar, you know, strikeouts and uh, and ratios to Cole Irvin. He's got the similar great home ballpark. You know, he get he gets Javi Baez playing defense behind him. Not going to strike out the world, but I I think he's under. I I feel like he's under rostered. Okay, yeah, I can dig that. Um, all right. And then lastly, you want to touch on AJ Puck real quick? Yes. Uh, Danny Jimenez has been struggling. Uh, I brought up Puck as a saves stash a few episodes back, and I continue to believe that he will wind up as the closer for Oakland. It would be so weird to me if they went back to Lou Trevino. Like he's just such an underwhelming pitcher at the end of the day. I don't, I like. I just wouldn't understand it if they went to, you know, just a, a, a just an underwhelming middling reliever instead of seeing what they had in Puck, seeing if he can be a, a late inning high leverage guy and and like lock down that closer role. You know, maybe maybe you could argue that they don't want to up uh, Puck's price tag in arbitration or whatever, but I I think uh, I, I think Puck is the uh, incumbent closer there. Dig it. All right. Um, was there anyone else you wanted to touch on at all? Um, I don't think so. But I do want to remind everybody before we head out to please 
figure out that acronym for me because I'm not smart enough. Oh, what were the what were the, it's uh it's got to have what DGBM. It was the Mets, the Brewers, the Giants, and the Diamondbacks. Yeah, D- so M B yeah M B D G. There you go. So figure out an M M B D G acronym for us that we can use uh, when referring to our favorite teams players. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then with that, that brings us to the end of episode 52 of In the Deep. Thank you so much for joining us once again. We appreciate it. Uh, once again, if you would like to follow us on social media, you can follow us at In the Deep PL on Twitter. You can also follow Schwebzy and I individually on Twitter, myself at Bunt Singles, and then Schwebzy at Schwebzy. That's S H W E B S I, no C. Uh, and we will be back next week with another episode for y'all. Schwebzy, send them out. Bye, friends. Thank you.